Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. And we're talking today about community and communication. We thought we'd give you a bit of a, a back sketch, so to speak, of the, the structure of, uh, of how we, uh, we bring you a lot of the information and themes and stories and ideas here on BFM and that, uh, that movement between uh, one part of the spiral of Claire W. Graves' work and how we move up that uh, or through that, uh, that spiral of layers and the different qualities that emerge from that. Yeah, what, is, what these things do, these sources essentially, is give us a map to understand the longer-term process that we're in the midst of at the moment, uh, being a global paradigm shift. And really any research into complex systems change dynamics is going to help us understand what's going on. And, and I guess one of the most important things to come out of that kind of research, and Claire Graves' work was, was one body of research amongst many, uh, is this understanding that when complex systems go through change, it's not a linear uh, process. Mm. And so it's it's not a straight line from start to finish. It's actually uh, a very divergent line and uh, there's a lot of oscillation between extremes, polar extremes during that change process. And that's what we're in the midst of now in terms of the global paradigm shift. And mm. by global paradigm shift, what we're talking about is a change of values that's sweeping across the planet. Mm. And this is, uh, is nothing new. It's, we've been through these massive, large-scale value shifts before, and I guess the ones that we, we have fairly well documented are the shift from the agricultural era, which lasted for thousands of years, where societies were typically arranged in uh, like castes or, or um, classes, a class-based society, and you were born into a class and that was your lot for life, uh, you had really no chance of shifting your position within society. You just played out what was seen to be your duty within society. And typically, the moral codes were quite rigid and prescriptive. And uh, it was those fairly rigid and prescriptive moral codes which gave rise to our major religions, which is still very, very influential mm. in the world today. And then we had the uh, a period of an extended period of gradual change, and it's hard to really pin down where that started. But some of the early signs certainly happened around, I guess, the the tenth. Um, 11th centuries uh, yeah. where we we saw the you know signs of clear changing values and different mm. ways of being human emerging and then uh, some hundreds of years later of course we had the scientific and industrial revolutions which was where the rubber was really hitting yeah, the road in really terms of these in. new mm. ways of thinking rolling out and some fundamental shifts in the way that we understand our reality and like and one example of that was moving from a belief within the agricultural era that everything in the universe rotated around Earth <laughs> and we were, we were central to the whole deal to suddenly realising that, oh, hang on a minute, we seem to be rotating around the sun. And uh, that might sound simple, but actually it brought 
a quite profound change yep. to how we see ourselves in the cosmos and, and how we identify uh, and understand mm. who we really are. And so we're going through another shift uh, of that same scale at the moment uh, on the back end of the scientific industrial era as we move in from a, what has been an individually oriented era in this scientific industrial period, which is, I guess, the peak of it has last, uh, lasted around 300 years. Mm. Uh, prior to that, the agricultural era, era was community-oriented, so it was a communal way of yeah. being human, and now we're moving from the individually-oriented scientific industrial back into a new way of being human with a communal focus again. So there's that <clears throat> fairly fundamental pattern that we see in the paradigms as they roll out, swinging between an individual focus and a community focus alternatively. Yeah, just just going back, I really like the um, the notion of how we once thought we revolved around the Earth, then we re- we thought we revolved revolved around the Sun, which is more true. It is true, but now, of course, with all of our science and all of the space exploration, all that we know out there, we also now know that our solar system is rotating around a, a central Sun within our galaxy. So again, that the picture is broadened out, and these are not just scientific uh, facts or deepenings or better understandings, but they're also understandings of our consciousness, aren't they? How we how we orient ourselves towards life, the universe, and everything in a way. They are. They're very much connected to our concepts of space and time, mm. and we, which really shape everything. Yep. You know, they shape how we how we perceive reality. Yes, and the other thing that makes this particular shift quite interesting is that over history we can see that these paradigms have gradually got shorter and shorter in length and it's like a, it looks like a logarithmic mm. scale that they're getting exponential function exponentially shorter now and so this community era that we're moving mm. into on a global scale right at the moment is going to be relatively short-lived and my best guess at this point is probably just a couple of decades and then of course we have what Claire Graves described in his research as the momentous leap oh, the momentous yes. which is not just another routine shift between community and individuality but it's actually uh, a an entire change of context in terms of, of how we are being uh, and taking us from what he described as a um, a chapter in human history which has taken us from hunter-gatherer through to this emerging communal way of being, this uh, relativistic, you might call it, the postmodern era perhaps. Mm. And that really is closing an entire chapter of human history. We're moving into mm. the opening of a completely new chapter, mm. which is beginning with a new individually oriented mm. era. Although you could say that individual era in the next, in the next tier of yeah. consciousness uh, as you're speaking, is a kind of integration between the individual and the collective, isn't it? It's sense? an absolute game changer. Yep. Yeah, we're seeing a quantum leap in human capacity, and the reason we know that is because the research has met and documented some people who have gone through this shift already and, and analysed how they work, how their, their brains uh, perceive the world, and it is an absolutely integrated way. So where the the shifting between individuality and community has... Uh, absolutely being tied to an, a bias to left brain or right brain operation. Uh, in this next chapter, this momentous leap is taking to uh, taking us to a place of integrated operation where both left and right brain can engage and function simultaneously, which is it, it, it's a, a new way of being, absolute new way of being. And Graves described the first tier, so these these uh, six different eras from hunter-gatherer through to the emerging postmodern as being survival-oriented. So each one in its own way was 
seeking to answer the question, how do I survive in this world? Yeah. You know? And how do I survive as an individual? And alternatively, how do I survive in community in yeah. this world? And now, in Graves' words, he says this new chapter that's emerging very soon uh, and has, in on a small scale, already started, is taking us to a, a, a new fundamental question. Rather than how do I survive, it is who am I being? Yeah. So yeah. a focus on being rather than a focus on just surviving. Yeah. You talk uh, off air, you mentioned the, the, the simple um, equation or the, the difference between self-service and community service. And uh, yeah. you know, we, we, we live in an era of such incredible self-service, as I also said to you off air, in a way, you know, when you call up uh, one of the big companies to try and get some service from them about your, you know, your bill at bank or, or, or telecom, you know, one of those or something, you're not really getting much service. You're not getting much community service. You kind of have to serve yourself and often you don't get much. You might get through, you might get something. Uh, and that's uh, almost... Uh, uh, sort of the, the extreme of this the kind of behaviour of self-service and self-servingness uh, in the world, isn't it? In it this, is, absolutely, yeah. And, and so Graves described these uh, individual and communal uh, ways of being human using the language self-expression for the individual-oriented paradigms where it's all about you expressing yourself in the world. Mm. There was an external focus, so you were very, very focused on the material world mostly and how you might change that to suit yourself, mm. to serve yourself, basically. And then it's interesting to see how that theme has trickled down to every aspect of life. And as you're saying, you know, even just to go to the supermarket, it's, it's you know, an orientation trying to push you towards self-service. Uh, you go to the the garage to, to fill up your car, and it's you get out and serve yourself. And it's yeah, what happened to the bloke cleaning my windscreen all those years ago? Yeah, I used to love that. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't mind doing it myself, but it was a nice it was, service. Service is such a beautiful thing, actually, to serve another. And and you know, we've we've lost so much of that. When you're bringing this up this morning, I, I, you you really think I really think about how you know in my lifetime that sense of service to each other has been lost so much in, in society to it the point where, where all our leaders are clearly self-serving. Most of us would say that pretty much about most of our, uh, our political leaders, clearly are self-serving people. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Claiming community service, claiming you know service to the national interest and all those sort of things, but clearly uh, it's all about their own power, their own uh, survival and so on and so on. Absolutely, and you know so much of our world now is controlled by corporate structures and the corporate structure, the mm. legal status of yeah, it is right. as an individual, right? Uh, and that is to, to save the backsides of the individuals inside the corporation so they don't get sued if something goes wrong. So in actual fact, it's not a, a corporation is not a community by that it, definition. It's all about self-service. Yeah. But th there's no right or wrong here, and it's no. easy at this time when we're coming to the end of this individual era where it's running off the rails and it's all gone to extreme, it's easy to say, well, that's bad, we need to get rid of that and go back to something different. But the truth is that there's a place for each of these different ways of being in the world, and they, they complement each other beautifully, and each one is suited to a, a particular set of life conditions and uh, this change dynamic it's a very very simple and fundamental change dynamic that runs through our entire reality mm. it's beautifully captured in the tai chi symbol yes with the yin and the yang and each of those as it comes to an extreme gives birth to the seed of the other and another simple way of understanding that mm. is just a, just thinking about a pendulum that swings from individuality to community and back again and when you reach the extreme of individuality then the seed of community is born and it starts to swing back the mm. other way and it's a very very natural dynamic and natural process and if we can understand these fundamental patterns of change then we can actually start to draw ourselves a map to understand what's going on in the world right now mm. and as we we are now at the extreme swing of individuality at the very end of the scientific industrial individually oriented era. 
it looks pretty bad because everything's extreme. Um, but we, if we can understand that, that pendulum, the more extreme it gets, the more likely it is to turn around and swing back the other way. Yeah. And, and that is, uh, I guess, a, a fundamental clue to how change happens in complex systems mm. is just to recognize simple patterns like that. And it, it can be extremely comforting to know that because if you don't understand the progression of the pattern, then you tend to just look at what's happening right now and think, holy shit, is this it? You know, we're going to be stuck in this yes. forever. And I think uh, my perception in this region, of course, we do live in a bubble here, but uh, I think, you know, while there is difficult things about living in a bubble, you, you tend to not see things outside the bubble. The good things about being in this kind of bubble is we are actually practicing, in a sense, we are, we are forging new ideas and new ways of being in community. We are starting to... Uh, to elaborate and to extend those uh, those capacities within ourselves and I see it in a lot of people who are exactly what you're saying who are moving away from being against something uh, which is bad so to speak bad in inverted commas and there are many things you could say are bad on the planet many things that have been done uh, with this self-serving nature that we're talking about here uh, and yet uh, a lot of people who've been very much against that fighting battling those are, are, are stepping back just a moment in the way you're talking about going, well you know this is not actually working to really change in the best way for me and for community uh, how do we actually uh, operate from a different perspective to take a, a different stance with regard to all the issues on the planet yeah i think it's easy to put your energy into fighting the old yeah. at this point and a lot of people are doing that and that's not to say that you know there isn't some usefulness in rejecting the old because it's that kind of energy which tends to turn the ship around to you know to, to head in the other direction mm. Uh, but it's it's important uh, to understand that there are always two sides to the story. There is always a bigger picture and there's always a dynamic emotion that's occurring. And if you can move with the pendulum swing, then you will be most effective and uh, you, you can actually at this point in the change process start building the new way of being human, uh, which is really the, the fastest way out of this mm. difficult time is actually to build what's next. Yeah. Did you hear that, folks? Isn't that right? Yeah, the fastest way out of this time is to build what's coming next and take your part in that. Um, should mention, too, as we always do, that we have a text line here. Studio text line comes up on the screen. It's 04373 A couple of texts have come in. Thanks uh, about the film yesterday. The film was amazing, says one uh, listener. Thank you. The most poignant moment for me was the scene right at the end showing the chap supporting his wife through her journey it was hard to contain my tears and it was um, a very moving film yesterday and thanks again for those who turned up yeah no for those who haven't seen the film that was one of the the u.s war veterans who'd been on his own transformational journey through ayahuasca healing and then uh, he was very very mindful of the fact that his own trauma and how that played out in his life had had a massive effect on his family uh, and uh, as he started to get back on his feet then he supported his wife to go through the same kind of healing process which was amazing and that itself an example of that moving from that self-serving self-involved self, -serving, self, -involved, self uh, you know that hole that one can go down into the self especially when you're traumatized when, when difficult things occur and actually coming out of that and seeing your effect on your family how your your being is uh, radiating out in, in is it radiating positively or is it doing something negative in the sense of you know your trauma being being uh, sort of flooding the environment so to speak so that change is occurring in many people very good to see for all of you out there strangers in a strange land you're grokking future sense here on bay fm
And we are waiting for your call here at BayFM double six eight seven triple nine for the radiothon. Subscribe or online, even easier, at BayFM.org. And if you're an artist, it's uh, it's good value. We're talking today here on Future Sense about community and communication, and um, essentially a change in value systems that we're seeing. Of course, we uh, we all know about morals and ethics, but values uh, to me are a word is a word that is not used as much, and yet I think it's a really very good word to. Uh, to describe actually what is really changing on the planet now, what needs to change on the planet now. Yeah, I think a lot of people find that term values, mm. you know, talking about what they value a little confusing, but I guess yeah. one way to think of it is just what you emphasise, you know, what's important to you in life and where you put your energy, you know, these are the things that you value even mm. though you might not think about them as, as values. Yes. And as we're in this period now of shifting from the scientific industrial to the next emerging communal system, the solution to most of the problems that are presenting is actually to, to build community and use the, the value and the energy of community to, in order to resolve these problems. And I think it's really, really useful to understand these general themes and just simple, uh, like, like a, a compass needle pointing us mm. in, a, in a direction That's and having good. that orientation yeah. can be really valuable because we are coming up across uh, upon very, very complex problems that we don't necessarily have answers to. We don't, we don't have the solutions on hand because these problems are, are growing out of the complexity created by extreme individualism. And like one of the most obvious examples of that complexity is our uh, electronic networked devices, yeah. you, know, you know, and uh, the internet and the systems that carry the, all of those communications and the fact that they've been designed out of an individual mindset. So even though they are connecting us and, and they have actually been a major, major trigger in uh, rebirthing community globally that they, they are structured around an individual mindset you know so we get we individually get lost at looking at the screen of our device in the process of uh, you know connecting with people which is so ironic but it's 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 a classic paradoxical dynamic I know? mean you can only laugh I mean it's, it's serious stuff because clearly it's, it can't stay that way that we're locked into our devices in this way and expect things to really change we have to we have to look up and find different ways to connect or use them more purposefully and so so forth. So it's it's, uh, it's good to have a bit of humour about that because it is a transition that we're in. It is. And it is, and it's this dynamic of increasing complexity. It's a it's a constant right throughout history, as far as we can see. Mm. And each time the complexity gets too much, the answer is always to move in the opposite direction, whether it be towards community or towards individuality. And of course, there will come a time, probably within the next couple of decades, where we need to move back towards individuality in a different way again. Mm. And each each swing of the pendulum it's not a repeat of what came before you know it's it's uh i I can't remember who this quote is from but somebody said you know history doesn't repeat but it sure does echo you hear the echoes echoes of the previous (laughs) paradigms and you see the same themes playing out but they're not exactly the same Mm. they are all different and the essential difference is that each one is more complex Mm. i mean a lot of people would contest that good people who are trying to make a better world would say no there's always war there's always destruction humans are always going to do this and going to do that assuming that human nature is a kind of fixed position yes but it's not it, actually it's, it's not and it, it really depends on how you conceptualize change and how you conceptualize those patterns and uh, I think uh, Steve Bannon, of course, who was uh, heavily involved with Trump in the early stages of yep. his campaign, and I just watched, I might just, on a quick aside, I watched uh, that documentary 
the Great Hack on oh, Netflix yeah. recently. It's, it's very good. Yeah, highly recommended. Yeah. Uh, very interesting, all mm. about the Cambridge Analytica mm. uh, involvement in the US election. And, and as I discovered by watching the, the documentary, involvement in a whole bunch of elections in other countries around the yeah. world prior to that, and yes. also involvement in military psychological mm. operations was, was how the organisation was born. A bunch of trials leading up to the, the big ones, Brexit and the US election and whatever was going to be next. but uh, Yeah, one of the revelations, and I, I really can't remember hearing this before I watched the documentary, uh, that Steve Bannon was actually the vice president of Cambridge Analytica. Uh, that, that In the beginning. quite a revelation to me. Yeah. But um, that was a little sidetrack. If you haven't seen that documentary, highly recommend it. Very, very interesting. Well, it's uh, amazing just on, on one thing for me with that documentary was just the absolute self involvement, self-service, self-focus uh, of particularly the leader, but all of them. But I can't remember the leaders now. I'm just trying to quickly look it up there. The, uh, the boss of Cambridge Analytica. Oh, Nix. Alan, uh, Alexander Nix, I think. Alan, Alex, thank you. Alexander Nix. Yeah, yeah. Incredible how he presented over and over again when you, when you actually had him on screen or when they captured him without him knowing here and there uh, how completely uh, oblivious he was to, to caring actually about what the effects of what he was actually doing. Yeah, and I think that's a classic example mm. of, of uh, different values. You know, he was yeah. very much immersed in the individual, individualistic values, you know, and, and very focused on doing the best that he could, you know, in the role that he saw himself yeah. playing, uh, and quite genuine in feeling that he was providing value and, you know, and doing good work. And then, of course, absolutely shocked when all of the pigeons came home to roost and uh, all of this backlash, you know, came against Cambridge Analytica and, and they ended up shutting the business down, of course. Um, and uh, and you could see his very, very genuine dismay mm. around all of that because he just, you know, he'd bumped into a set of values which he wasn't expecting to bump into. And that's the thing, isn't it? Bumping into a set of values which you just don't get, you don't see. You don't yeah. see the world through the, that lens and yeah. you, you can't see the world through that lens. So you can judge a person very strongly for what you don't agree with about that, but very difficult to judge them because that's where they're coming from. That's all they know. And yes, they can change. They may change. He may change. Yeah. But you can't force the change either until people are ready for it. No, until people something have to happens. be ready for it. And, and mm. this is one of the, the great dynamics of mm. this first tier of human consciousness is whatever our dominant paradigm is, whether we're in a, a collective oriented paradigm or an individual uh, dominated mm. paradigm in terms of our own worldview, uh, it really is shaping our perception of reality. It's you know it's shaping what we see as valuable and what we discard as not valuable, mm. uh, and it's shaping the way that we show up in the world, the way that we see ourselves as being part of the world. And when we bump into somebody who's in an opposite, uh, you know, diametrically opposed worldview, it's very very hard to make sense of. And and typically we just don't understand it. Mm. Most commonly, we brand it as wrong. Re reject it one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I, I often feel that this is the, the root cause of all human conflict within history up till the present time is this differing of, of value systems, different worldviews, and the incapacity to mm. uh, comprehend and integrate, you know, an, an opposing worldview as such, mm. and the, the inbuilt dynamic that we have to simply reject it. And that's very, very common if we look at whether we're talking on, on an individual scale in, in terms of a, uh, personal development or on a global scale in terms of the playing out of eras and paradigms, yeah. typically we once we move from one to the next, we strongly reject the previous one. Mm. We say, oh, no, that's really bad. We've got to get rid of that. You know, and, and you hear this language so much now. Mm. 
um, across the world, people saying that, you know, capitalism is the devil's yeah. business and we have to get rid of it, you know. Um, but what actually happens in reality is that these old paradigms, they don't disappear. What they do is they slide from prominence and yeah. they, they take a background yeah. position. But um, it's, it's important to understand that all of these systems are nested inside yeah. each other. You know, it's not that we discard one and move to yeah. another. It's actually that we are growing a nested system of paradigms inside ourselves mm. and, and you know in the history of humanity and essentially that means that um that everything has some value in every layer of consciousness in every value system structure that we have lived through as communities as a, as a planet as a, as a nation perhaps that there is valuable things within that and other things must be discarded, rather like compost for the new to, to arise from and not to completely destroy it and to, to discard it, but to actually bring forth to transcend and include those things which actually may still be useful in terms of moving forward. That's right. And even though for most of us it's not a conscious thing, we do shift and change between mm. worldviews in our day-to-day -day life. Yes depending on the life conditions that we're presented with. And, you know, I guess classic examples would be a, a corporate job where you're very much embedded in the scientific industrial mindset where it's all about doing the best, mm. being the best, working as hard as you can, uh, being as successful mm. personally mm. as possible. Uh, and then a shift of life conditions can happen in the same day. You go from that workplace back to a, a home environment where you'll start behaving in a communal way and without realizing the shift but it just feels like the natural thing to do because we are highly adaptive beings mm. and we will adapt to the, the life conditions we're presented with and one of the big changes that's coming with the the momentous leap uh, which you know for, for some people has already happened a small percentage of people on the planet and for uh, the larger percentage is coming uh, you know within the next few decades is that all of a sudden we'll become conscious of the existence of these different paradigms or worldviews and also conscious of our own dynamics as we switch and change and, and we'll have the capacity to very consciously change our value set and our worldview and our way of communicating to fit with whatever's required in the moment and that, that is really a quantum leap that's coming in human capacity. Mm. I mean, the big one that's occurring now, of course, is what we've been talking about from the, the self-oriented orange level in Claire Glaze's configuration to the green level, to the communitarian level, which is about um, seeking peace within the inner self and exploring with others the, uh, the caring dimension of community. Yes. And that... that um, that brings a lot to it and obviously we can see that in this community evolving into a new layer I sort of uh, inferred that a little bit before I think people changing towards seeing it that way and not not just rejecting but moving towards well, how can we actually be with each other differently now that's right and, and the most useful tool set is simply um, rebuilding community so so for whatever challenge that we're being faced with at life in this moment most likely because of this general theme of change right across the world most likely the solution will somehow revolve around rebuilding community mm. and building resilient communities yeah resilience is a word that's uh, very strong at the moment out there in the, in the world you can see that uh, it's a bit of a meme going and it's a very good one too because it's, it is clearly resilience that we're going to need in the face of the many challenges that we we now have yeah, and one of the the most common uh, divergences or, or even uh, illusions at the moment is that we simply need to apply our old ways of problem solving to the new problems. And that would have worked uh, decades ago, 
But at the moment, because we're in this shift towards community, what we need is to actually change our tool set. Mm. And um, there are some really classic examples in the media at the moment, and one that I, I picked up this morning is uh, a commentary on Australia's uh, military security situation and, and uh, our future strategy. And of course, we have a long, uh, or, you know, a relatively long history of being aligned with the United States. And of course, that there were very, very good reasons for that because uh, you could argue that uh, they they saved our butt uh, during the Second World War, for, you know, by by uh, their presence in the Pacific here. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but things are shifting. Uh, the United States itself is shifting, of course, and its internal uh, political dynamics are changing. And with the rise of China's strength, particularly from a trade point of view, um, a lot of people are simply looking at, okay, how do we take these old ways of problem solving and adapt them to, to this new situation, which is arising in the Pacific with the rise of China's mm. power? And um, and there there's a fundamental error mm. in thinking that we're going to move from the same old to the same old. Mm. You know, we're going to have one superpower which is dominating the world because that's the way it's been. And now we're just swapping out one superpower for another superpower. But the, the, the fundamental flaw in that thinking is uh, the, the absence of understanding that we're actually shifting into a new paradigm. It's a completely new way of operating that is community-oriented. And rather than, uh, you know, this, uh, I think this um, commentary in, in the ABC News today uh, has been... Uh, released by the United States Studies Center at the University of Sydney. Uh, and um, they're just saying that America no longer enjoys military primacy in the Indo-Pacific. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Australia really needs to reassess where we're at and who we're aligned with. And uh, rather than, you know, choosing between the US and China, I, I would say that we really need to move to a new paradigm and start to... Uh, think communally mm. and you know how do we how do we build a secure community and help you know help become a part of that and, and perhaps even help lead the the rejuvenation of a secure community here in Asia uh, for our own immediate security and, and also you know thinking how that applies to the rest of the world and it's a critical time at the moment because the US um, is in the process of asking us to once again commit yeah, troops to the Middle East to the yeah. same old story in the Middle East and uh, you know it's not a time for doing the same old same old it absolutely isn't and and what's hidden in that whole dynamic too of course is that uh, even though it doesn't sound like it and it's not stated explicitly that the all the whole of the tension in the Middle East is very much connected to the rise of China uh, and its yeah. trading power in the world and its plans to rejuvenate the old Silk Road um, which of course runs from Asia right across into the Middle East. Mm. So there are, as always with the old paradigm, there are underlying hidden agendas uh, that uh, that are becoming more visible, and that we actually need now to start to expect to uncover these hidden agendas. And yes. where, wherever we see the old way of thinking playing out, we ought to just remind ourselves that there will be a hidden agenda because that is the way of the old paradigm and power in the old paradigm actually came from obscuring the truth yeah. and hiding the agenda and looking for some way around you know the the obvious obstacles in order to get what you want and and so as we face these challenges uh, by the the old uh, failing uh, way of thinking we, we really should remind ourselves 
and just you know also remind the people around us that these old ways they always have hidden agendas there's going to be one there and in, the same applies to politics at the moment because our, in in a lot of western countries the dynamics in politics are also the old ways just playing themselves out to an extreme mm-hmm. there are always hidden agendas you know never take things at, at their face value yeah exactly how do you see you mentioned china there a lot um the situation in hong kong is clearly a very big transformative moment in world politics uh, and challenging um, changing the status quo and the, the value system of China. That's a very big one. We, we see uh, apparently a, a million and a half people in the last 24 hours or so in the streets of Hong Kong again, of all, all types of people, and some of the more radical elements not so present this time. Clearly there's being smart about that. Yeah, very encouraging to hear that. Yeah. Apparently, uh, depending on who you believe, you know, claims yeah. of, of crowds between 1 and 1.7 million people in the streets overnight mm. in Hong Kong and, and apparently no violence, yeah. which is fantastic. Which is and amazing. I, you know, that kind of community action is mm. representative of the new paradigm. Yes. And the absence of violence, the peaceful approach, is a cornerstone. So wherever we see violence playing out, we should also suspect the involvement of the old paradigm. Yeah. And uh, without knowing what's going on, and I don't, don't even pretend to know exactly what's going on in Hong Kong, w- when I see violence breaking out there, uh, what it tells me is that violence is not representative of the new paradigm. So it's either a minority group that's operating from an individually oriented paradigm mm. uh, from within Hong Kong, mm. or it may be uh, perhaps assisted by mm. foreign interference. Uh, and um, you've got to then start to think, okay, who who would like to cause trouble for China at the moment? Mm. Um, I'm sure some of you out there listening can think of somebody. You can text in and let us know who you think. <laughs> That's right. 0437341119. And then who might want to cause trouble for whoever's causing trouble uh, in Hong Kong? So, you know, there was a, a group of... Uh, Hong Kong people filmed recently in a protest waving American flags and singing the uh, American anthem. And so you've got to ask yourself, okay, well, I guess it's quite possible that the US might want to store up some trouble in Hong Kong because it wants to really, you know, make trouble for China generally because it's trying to slow down its its rise yep. to power um, and, and hang on to the, the reins, so to speak, uh, the US wants to. And so, you know, it only makes sense that their security agencies or whatever, their, their intelligence agencies might want to cause, uh, stir up a bit, a bit of trouble. So China's got a bit more to worry about. But would they actually organise people to carry the American flags and sing the American anthem in the street? Well, I guess it, it, at face value, it doesn't make sense. But maybe another country that opposes the US might want to actually mm. make it look like the mm. US or reveal that the US is involved. So, uh, you know... And no wonder we're all confused, folks, and overwhelmed, because it's very difficult to know actually what's going on here. Exactly, and exactly. So all I can say for sure is it's damn complex, and if you think you know exactly what's going on, you're probably missing something. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia, at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.